for all things, for all things KC, KC, for everything Chiefs. It's always, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host, Kayla Kinnearum and Cody Tapp. Welcome to It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. Thank you for joining us on this Red Friday. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. I am your host, Kayla Canaram. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Cody Tapp, and producer, Nick Schwert. Fellas, how are we feeling going into this big Sunday night football matchup? I mean, I, I like any matchup with Sunday night football that actually includes elite quarterback play. Like, we've we've watched, I mean, really, the Thursday night games have been the worst of the quarterback kind of situation, but... As any game goes on, it feels like that. So, I mean, if you're going to give me Mahomes and Justin Herbert, really under any circumstances, I'm interested. But for primetime, I remember how the last primetime game went. It was super entertaining. So I'm excited. It's so weird because I I still obviously think of Justin Herbert as an elite quarterback and one of the most talented in the league. But you haven't really heard as much chatter about him this year because the numbers haven't been as prolific. And I think that's due to a variety of reasons. Um, mm-hmm. Some of it is a little bit of regression. I think some of it's the injury concerns. There's there's not been a team more ravaged by injuries than the Chargers have been this year. But I know we'll talk more about the Chargers receivers later. It feels like not a get right opportunity for the Chargers, but maybe at least a chance for them to show that like, hey, we are still really good. That guy behind center, he's still really good. And these games always seem to live up to the hype. So I'm actually, we've joked a lot about uh, there not being enough hype surrounding certain matchups. I don't feel it this week. I feel like there is some hype and some buzz going into this game. And I feel pretty excited in a way that I, that I certainly wasn't two weeks ago uh, when the Chiefs were playing the Titans in primetime. Well, Nick, great segue because yes, every game between Mahomes and Herbert has been close. Should we expect this trend to continue? For the record, Mahomes is three and two against Herbert, um, both as starters since 2020. In that first game, it was a difference of three points, 17 in 2021, uh, six points also in 2021, six points again last December, and then three points this past fall. It all comes down to the final possession. It's always a nail biter. Can we expect this to continue on Sunday? Absolutely. And they both perform, Kayla. Their very first matchup ever, you might remember, was the Tyrod Taylor got a needle stuck in his lung situation. Yes. And then all of a sudden, Herbert was the starter. We're like, oh, okay. And he just, you know, casually went for 311 yards, a couple of touchdowns. And you're like, wow. And then Mahomes went for 300 yards, two touchdowns and 54 rushing yards himself. And the Chiefs barely won 23-20. And then the next time they faced each other was to begin 2021. And Justin Herbert went for 281 and four touchdowns. And Mahomes went for 260 and three, but threw a costly pick late. And then just this most recent one where it was Herbert who threw the costly pick late that eventually cost them the chance to win. So, yes, like I know the Chiefs are the better team. They're in the better situation because their team is much healthier. They have the better coach and they have the quarterback playing better. And yeah, when I get to predictions later, this will probably be a three point game. Because I think what happens here is what's happened in other great quarterback matchups in the history of the NFL, which is they play up. They play up to each other. They are in the division, and they are great quarterbacks in the same division. No matter what, I think these games are always going to be close. Maybe once in a while, once every four years, we'll get some random beatdown. But to have five games of evidence, and for them always to be decided essentially on the last possession of the game tells me that this game is going to give us something similar. So I was prepared for this question. I was up late 
very late last late. night, crunching the numbers. So I <laughs> give you guys a, an, an analytic driven answer to this. Oh, so wow. See if you guys can follow along. The numbers are going to get complicated. Oh, great. Uh, the Chiefs have played in five one score games this year. The Chargers have played in six one score games this year. That is 11 of 18 games these two teams have played this year have been one score. Oh, and by the way, the five times they've faced off with Justin Herbert at quarterback, four of them have been one score games. That's just what these teams do. And even more so, that's what they do when they get together. And I think Cody nailed it on the head. We can get into like the matchups and why these teams play each other close, but I think you can boil it down to one thing. These are two of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL. Obviously Mahomes is on his own tier, but watch Justin Herbert week to week. And you can see he does things that only a handful of other guys in the league are capable of doing. They rise to the occasion in these big games. Now we saw how this played out the first time where even though the Chargers were in that game throughout, there were just a few moments. It really is just two, maybe like two or three moments in a game where the other team's quarterback shows you why he's not quite Patrick Mahomes, right? <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, he's really good, but he made a couple of critical mistakes in big junctures of the game, and that's not what, for the most part, Mahomes does. So I do expect this to be close. I, I feel good about the Chiefs' chances in this, mostly because of the Chargers' injury concerns, but I don't think there's any reason to not expect this to be a tight matchup. They even, even Mahomes this week was asked a little bit about Herbie's like, well, we have a lot of common opponents because we play in the division. So I see him throw against defenses a lot. He's like, there's things he can do that even I can't like, that's the way he put it. Like he knows how many things he can do. And he's like, there's a couple of throws he makes that even I, I, even I'm not doing that. I'm not making that throw. There's no, like my arm doesn't do what his arm does. We might do different things, but it's not that. And I think a lot of times, and this is why I think Herbert inevitably will be much more successful in the NFL than he has been to this point. Because to this point, his stats are good. His team has way underperformed. And I know we could say uh, they're the most injured team in the NFL. Well, that's every year. And unless they're going to get a new training staff, that's going to be every year, apparently forever. Maybe or they've they just should, drafted him. Maybe they should. No, I'm dead serious. They should. They should have the the guy who stuck the needle in his lung is still their team doctor. (laughs) Like, that's it. That's a fireable offense. Nick, our jobs are not that serious. But if your only job was to not stick a microphone and stick it down my throat so that I choked, (laughs) then if you did it, don't do that. You're a doctor. Like, it's just they absolutely should. But I don't you know. I don't know if it's Staley, like he plays a little more aggressive against Kansas City typically, but in the last game, he played it more conservative and that's what drove it to be closer. And you mentioned the Herbert mistake to Jalen Watson was inevitably what decided that game. But there's always a moment because that game could have gone Chargers very easily in the early part of the season when they were still very healthy because the Chargers are getting ready to go up two scores on that. And then Jalen Watson made the play. Seems like something always happens. Even if the Chiefs get up 10 or 13 in this game and it feels like Mahomes is driving or the Chargers have stalled, I just expect something to happen that keeps this game close at this point. And it wasn't just the Jalen Watson pick six. If you remember, I think it was the very next drive when now all of a sudden the Chargers had to go down and score. Herbert, that clock wasn't right in his head. He held onto the ball too long. And that's when Chris Jones got that huge sack on third down that basically iced the game. So. I just, I, I still think there is, there's a razor's edge separating these guys from a talent perspective, but it's not just Herbert. Like that pick six to Jalen Watson, if you remember, 
it, the the intended pass was for uh, Gerald Everett, the tight end, who and was he, tired. He was asking to come out of the he was game. Asking to come out, and so he clearly sort of half-assed that route. Herbert expected him to be in one place. He wasn't there. Think about that compared to the, the, the luxury of riches that we're learning the Chiefs have in terms of pass catchers. With all of the different guys who have gotten reps and made big plays, you just sort of trust that even if these aren't the most talented receivers in the NFL, this offense is really humming and they're really clicking and you just expect the guys to be in the right spot at the right time. You don't expect them as a team or as individuals to make those critical mistakes, which you just can't say for really any other team in the NFL, specifically not the Chargers. Quick follow-up. Uh, Patrick saying that Herbert throws throws that he can't. Yeah. Do we really believe him? Is that just like game recognized game? So I think probably what he, like, I think he actually kind of means it just a little, right? Mahomes doesn't think there's anything he's not capable of. But there's a slight difference in the way they play quarterback. Justin Herbert makes those like line throws, those like 60 yards across his body throws that I really do think really only he makes. Well, him and Josh Allen. Yeah. And and I think I don't. Okay, wow. I'm really going to be out over my skis on this. (laughs) My theory is that those both of those guys are six, five. And if you ever watch like a really big like Aaron Judge hit a baseball or you watch Dustin Johnson drive ball, it's like. These guys who are super long and athletic, it just feels like they get a certain amount of torque on the ball that that maybe smaller guys can't. I don't think that Justin Herbert is more talented than Mahomes, and I would rather have I'd rather have Mahomes' arsenal of throws than I would <laughs> Justin Herbert. But some of those throws, you're right, Cody. They're like scud missiles. Yeah, there's laser throws. and they don't they don't. There is no curve to them. They just are on a line for 60 yards downfield where you're like, how is that possible? So maybe that's what he's referring to. But I'm sure if Justin Herbert were asked the same question, he'd say, yeah, I'd, I'd probably rather have his package than mine. <laughs> I just don't like complimenting any other quarterback. That's, that's fair. fair. That's fair. Honestly, it used to feel worse when you felt worse about your quarterback. But now it's like you're a 10. You're like, I'm objectively super attractive. And it's like, <laughs> I don't care if somebody else is attractive. You only don't like complimenting people. And you're like, are they better looking than me? Is that, is that what we're coming down to? I don't like this. In Mahomes' case, we don't have to worry about it. Exactly. Guys, the Chiefs are looking thin at wide receiver at the moment with injuries and illnesses. MVS did practice on Thursday. So as of now, that leaves us with MVS, Tony, Sky, and Watson. But we will not see most likely Hardman and again, Juju, who is in concussion protocol. Does this scare us? Okay, so a little less because Mahomes is here. So let's just start with the quarterback (laughs) stuff immediately. But yes, because... I told you I didn't want to know what an offense without Juju Smith-Schuster looked like because I didn't want to look know what an offense without Tyreek looked like, and then it worked fine because Juju is ended up being a very talented wide receiver. But MVS, an 800-yard wide receiver being their one, followed by Tony, a guy I've seen for one game, followed by Sky Moore, who hasn't been involved in the offense at all, and Justin Watson, who has like 140 yards receiving this year. Yeah, I think that that's probably a bit concerning. Because they have Travis Kelsey, I'm never going to go full panic because Kelsey and Mahomes. Mm -hmm. But it's a lot thinner than I'd like to see. And yet, Kayla, I find myself weirdly intrigued. And here's why. Those four wide receivers happen to be four guys who could be under contract for the Royal or for the Chiefs next year (laughs) without, right? Without the guys who'd be missing. McCall Hart may be a free agent. Juju Smith-Schuster could be a free agent. So I'm at least kind of intrigued of the, okay, I guess kind of want to see what it looks like. But from a winning perspective, I don't know how you could tell me 
them getting Keenan Allen and Mike Williams hypothetically back and you missing your two of your top three wide receivers is good. You kind of stole my answer there. I was, I'm excited to see just for a glimpse, like, hey, what would it look like if this is receiving court next year? Juju's the only one who concerns me. Uh, MVS being back at practice today, that's great. I don't know, like on a game, like MVS will have his moments, but he's not somebody who I think about if Juju's out, then that means MVS is going to see more targets. I don't know. We saw him play 71 snaps in a game and get one target. So I'm not convinced that him being out there all of a sudden means that he's the number one in this offense. He'll play a lot. I don't think that necessarily means that all of a sudden he's going to get a ton of snaps. To me, this is, this is a Kadarius game. I, I would almost say the same thing for Nicole. Because if you don't have Juju or McColl, well, let's just say you don't have Juju and you have MVS and McColl, would it shock you if Kadarius is the number two no. behind MVS in terms of snap counts? It, it, it really wouldn't to me because there's one thing that we know. Mahomes trusts him. I think what we saw in that game with the way that he throws him the ball downfield and just lets him go up and get it, I think you could say through two games and what, how many snaps has, has Kadarius played in his, his he played 49% last week and he played nine, the nine total snaps the week before. So not very many. There is already, and it's mostly because of skill set, right? A trust factor between Mahomes and Kadarius Tony that McColl has not been able to earn in three plus years. And it's mostly because that's never going to be McColl. When, when Mahomes targets McColl, it's, he, I, I see a little pocket. He's kind of running free. If I can just get the ball in the right place, then he's going to be able to make a play. But it's never a go up and get it type throw like you saw with Kadarius. So just in terms of skill set, he is best suited to be a guy to play on the outside that can make plays downfield. Couldn't we, more, he, he has the biggest opportunity, and it's only about Juju. Even if McColl is able to go, I still think Kadarius is effectively your number two wide receiver. I think there's a chance that Jarek McKinnon or Clyde Edwards-Alaire might be the second leading wide receiver in this game. They have the number 30th ranked rush defense. So you would think that they're going to attack him with the running backs at least a little bit. And both those guys have experience lining up wide, especially Clyde. For as much as Clyde had no involvement, lining him up wide in this game to give you a little more depth at wide receiver doesn't seem crazy to me. I'm also a little worried about what they're going to do with Kelsey. Because last week against... The 49ers, they held Kittle to one ball and two targets. Well, it's important to note that Kelsey also uh, said he's not going to jump in this game on his New Heights podcast because he said the last time he tried to jump against Derwin James, it went poorly. He said (laughs) he's not going to do that again. He's not out here trying to jump around. I mean, they've got the kind of talent still that can sometimes frustrate you. This might be the most run-heavy game we've seen from the Chiefs all year. Yeah, well, that's that's interesting because... We have never seen in consecutive weeks the Chiefs be consistent with how they handle the run game. <laughs> Whatever happened last week, at least thus far in the season, has had no impact on what's going to happen this week. So the Chiefs had a nice running game with Isaiah Pacheco last week, which means this week they'll probably run the ball 11 times for 27 yards. Now I'm trying to look up the box score because now I'm curious about what happened in that first game. With I remember... All I remember was Kelsey getting mugged and Clyde put, the game, Clyde put the game away late in that game. He did. He had that. Is that the one where he ran the ball with two hands? Yeah. And he slid. Yeah. He, he was like, he didn't want to fumble. And then he kind of slipped. <laughs> was it was good. one of Kelsey's quieter games of the year. 
Kayla, five catches, 51 yards. They know how to shut down the tight ends. The second leading receiver in that game, Justin Watson. Oh, he he had that bomb reception in the first half. He had the 43-yard touchdown catching the McColl route when he got hurt. (laughs) That's right. Don't sleep on those four-string wide receivers, guys. (laughs) Can we just just say this? Is there any other team in the league that could potentially be missing their second and fourth leading receivers heading into a game against a playoff team? And we'd sit there and say, yeah, the offense will be fine. Like not even no. considering the idea that all the, the offense is just going to stagnate. And we've seen moments where they've stagnated, but it's not because like so-and-so isn't active or they're not getting this one guy involved. I think a lot of times we just kind of say, I don't know, whatever weird game that, things didn't work, but that is, that, that just goes to show the luxury of riches. The chiefs have. That's because of Kelsey, dude. That's the only reason because no other team, if you knocked out Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, that's their top two weapons. Knocking out the Chiefs' top two wide receivers or two of their top three wide receivers is not knocking out two of their best weapons. You know, Kelsey has like 160 more yards than the next closest tight end and four more touchdowns than the next closest tight end and 27 more catches than the next closest tight end. He's on an island. It's all by himself while Kyle Pitts gets ignored in Atlanta. <laughs> One quick follow-up before we move on. Would you guys say this is the most depth we've had at wide receiver since Mahomes has been quarterback? Yeah, absolutely. 100% without even thinking that hard about it. Yes. It's not the most top-heavy because, again, Tyreek, but it's definitely the deepest. All right. We're going to move on now. All right. We're at the point. It's safe to say, I think, if the Chiefs win on Sunday, the division is officially over, right? Like, we're done here? Yeah. I mean, I did declare it dead (laughs) after week two. Which I think some people call premature, but uh, who's laughing now? What is it about you and Chiefs Chargers matchups that lead you to just end the season? You ended ended the season in week two, Cody. Yeah, I did. I'm looking pretty smart now, aren't I? What was that? A week (laughs) later, two weeks later, they lose to the Colts? Uh Mm Uh-huh. Well, that's not we're talking about now, Nick, not then. (laughs) Um, Look, I mean, there are three games in the division and beating him twice. What, are the Broncos going to win the next nine games in a row? They'd have a three-game lead on the only team in the division that would have any chance. As a matter of fact, I think the division's over if the Chiefs lose. It doesn't matter. They'd be a game up with the same record against each other. Okay, so it's just over now is what you're saying. Yes, correct. Okay. Which is what I said after week two, but I stand by that. But if they win it for sure, Nick, it's done, done. Nobody's going to argue there, right? Kayla, Nick, no one's going to fight me on if the Chiefs win, it's over. Mm, nah. no. The, no. The only thing, the only thing that gives me just a slight bit of hesitancy is that the Chargers have a cakewalk of a schedule. There's like two or three good teams remaining. They play the Chiefs, the Cardinals, the Raiders, the Dolphins, the Titans, the Colts, the Rams, the Broncos. And I get it. You could say, well, harder than the Chiefs. Oh. Yeah, harder than the Chiefs schedule. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, yeah, we don't have to play you know, Miami. you know what? I was trying to play devil's advocate and conv- and trying to come up with a convincing argument as to how it might not be over. But yeah, you're probably right. That's an easier. The Chiefs have the third easiest strength of and schedule and, and here's, remaining. Here's the big thing is we have seen that the Chiefs are not susceptible to midseason lulls. But they usually happen in October, not in November and December. This is when the Chiefs, at least over the past four years, start to round into postseason form, start to round into championship form. 
And if you haven't hit your midseason low yet, it seems unlikely to me that now is going to be the time, unless it's just like an injury issue where you, you just can't overcome it. It seems unlikely that now is going to be the time where all of a sudden the Chiefs hit a road bump. Kayla, have, I assume maybe you've seen this tab, but do you happen to know how many straight November and December games Patrick Mahomes has won? How many straight games? Games in November didn't, and December. Didn't we talk about this the other day? Wasn't it like 20 or something? 24. 24. That's like, like w- whenever we have trivia questions, we always target them towards Caleb. Right. <laughs> well, like, put me on the spot. Ones. Yeah, they're not easy ones either. <laughs> like you have to know a very specific. <laughs> We've already went back and crunched the numbers. We're actually giving her a point for that. That was close. 20 was close enough. Thank because you. That means that means eight games a year on average between November and December. That means he has gone three years without losing a November or December game. And you're going to tell me he has a three game lead in the middle of or at the end of November. He's got a three game lead on on the division and he's not even likely to lose a single game. But at best, what, one in December and the rest of November? There's no chance. The Chargers can't recover from it. At least hypothetically, if they lose, somebody can make the argument the division's not over and they've let him back in and they are going to really regret blowing that game last week. Or they could be tied in the division, the game they blew against the 49ers. But if they win it, it's... Yeah, okay. So I'll go ahead and take that one then. If they, if the Chiefs lose this game, so right now Chiefs are 7-2, and two, Chargers are 5-4. and four, So that would be 7-3 and three versus 6-4. and four. Having a one-game lead with effectively half a season to go, that division would be very much still up for grabs. I'm not willing to go that far. I well, am. It'd be similar to the Raiders game. Even if we lose, it's still over. <laughs> but you guys... You're not saying that because you're like looking at the, the schedule. You're just saying that because you don't believe that the Chargers are on the same level as the Chiefs. So it doesn't really matter what happens. But I mean, it, it's correct. both. This would be a big, I mean, a humongous win for the Chargers. It's Huge a win. This is the biggest game of their season. Does that mean you're afraid it's like, you know, waking a sleeping dog? Essentially, it's like you've woken their season back up. They feel like they're back in it because you might murder their season if you beat them. Hell yes, because look at how tight the AFC playoff race is going to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you just look at the, the four division leaders between the Chiefs, now, <laughs> now it's the Jets or the Dolphins, excuse me, the Chiefs, the Dolphins, the Titans, and the Bengals, I Patriots. think, currently in the league. Patriots uh, at the entire playoff field is the entire AFC East right now. Yeah, and then it would be yeah, Patriots, Jets, and <laughs> Bills. Yeah. So... You need to, not, I mean, like 10 wins you need. It might take 11 with the, I mean, I don't know. Maybe the AFC East will cannibalize itself a little bit, but the Ravens are still right there as well. So the Chargers really, really need to get one of these wins that they're not supposed to get. And this one would be about as big a one as they could have. Um. Well, following up on AFC West, this was the year that the other teams were supposed to at least challenge the Chiefs. How long do you guys see this AFC West streak lasting in particular? I mean, I say until Mahomes is no longer the quarterback. Ten, uh, that, oh boy. Uh, you know what would have, the Patriots streak would have been like that if Tom Brady didn't get hurt. If, if Pollard hadn't wrecked his knee, they would have won like 20 consecutive division titles. So I think it at least goes to 10. This was supposed to be the year and it's not going to be which means everyone else is going to have to keep playing catch up and the Chiefs will have been a two full two years into signing young players cheaply on their roster. So I think it's getting to at least 10 before anybody challenges the division. What is it at right now? Six. Uh, this six. year okay. would make it seven, which means three more years after this one is how far I'm willing to go. 
Okay, let me just, I'm not going to push back, but let me just present a few hypotheticals. Let's <laughs> say that in two years, Travis Kelsey, for the first time in his life, it looks old. You know my stance on this, Nick. He never will. So, but if he does, that would be problematic, but that'd give them three years, two years okay, to so find another weapon. So here's the thing. Two teams are eliminated. The, the Broncos are screwed. They got, a, they got an albatross of the contract. No coach can fix it. They're done. So they, they're screwed for the next three years. We thought they were going to compete. And the Raiders, what what were they solving their problem? Dude, you just you live in this world of <laughs> dreams where it's like nothing, zero circumstances could ever lead to the Broncos ever figuring out anything. I mean, I guess Russell I feel the same way. Better, and I mean, like as much I, as much as I love your Travis Kelsey take, it's tough for me to like really get behind the idea that Travis Kelsey, a member of the human race, is simply never going to age in a sport where I would argue guys age much faster than in basically every other profession. But he's already doing things like he was already supposed to start aging. You realize that no tight end over the age of 32 has ever had a thousand yard season. So like he's already doing things other people don't. He's already a medical miracle. No tight end had ever had six, six or six or seven, whatever it is, thousand yard consecutive seasons. The record before that was three with Greg Olson. He already does things that no other human is. I make exceptional circumstances for exceptional players. To me, he already does everything that nobody else does. It's like the Tom Brady effect. At some point at 37 years old, you couldn't keep bringing up the fact that Tom Brady next year was going to be 38 because at 38, he wasn't the same as every other 38 year old. The clock had already been different. So like to me, I feel like Kelsey lands in that range. Someone's got to be first. Might as well be him. Yeah, exactly. All right, we're going to move on, guys. This is the biggest test of McDuffie's career so far. We know Keenan Allen and Mike Williams have both practiced the last two days, so Let's see what our young rookie is up for this weekend. Nick, you know, I'm, I've been a little bullish on on McDuffie. So are, do you think that he's going to fail this test or do you agree that it is the hardest test? It's definitely the hardest test. And when you think about what he's done in his career. OK, so he has played three games and really the first game of the year. It didn't even count as a full game. He has the hamstring injury against the Cardinals, who... That was a mess of a team. It's still kind of a mess of a team. They weren't ready for that. So I kind of wash out that first game. Last two weeks, he faced the Titans, who uh, completed how many passes to wide receivers? Can you uh, five. It was five. It was five. If this is a Kayla question, it can be, but it's uh, five. To wide receivers. <laughs> to wide oh, receivers. wide receivers. Zero. Zero. Yes, that's right. You were giving them far too much credit with five. Sorry. Five total completions. Zero five to wide receivers. Five for most teams would be a low number, but they somehow set the bar even lower with zero. <laughs> <laughs> and against the Jaguars, Christian Kirk, who he was sort of on a little bit, but aside from Christian Kirk, because we know the Chiefs don't do that, where like Sneed's not just going to be on one guy the whole game, yeah. right? So now you go up against a team with two legit weapons. And the last time that the Chiefs played the Chargers, we saw Justin Herbert pick on Jalen Watson and going after the rookie cornerbacks a little bit and Rashad Fenton. Yeah. They were like, hey, let's see what you guys have. You better believe that he's going to do that with Trent McDuffie, knowing that McDuffie's going to play starter snaps, so he'll be out there the whole game. And I would guess 95% of the time, he will either be on Keenan Allen or Mike Williams. 
I mean, it's not even close. It's not even close just compared to what he's had to go up against so far and what he's going to be going up against. And you factor in the fact, I mean, you've got a cyborg at quarterback there in, jo- in Justin Herbert. So, I mean, it's a massive test. And I think for a guy who has passed every test so far, this is an opportunity. There's, there's one of two outcomes here. Either we come away from this game saying, holy shit, this kid is the real deal. This is who the Chiefs thought they were getting in the first round pick. Worst case scenario, you're saying, all right, still a rookie cornerback. He's still got a little ways to go. I don't think there's a doomsday scenario, even if he gets cooked a couple of times. I mean, these are good receivers and a good quarterback, and he's a rookie. But those, I think, that's kind of your range of outcomes. He's either super impressive, and we are going to say, holy cow, this guy's incredible, versus, all right, all right, we still got a ways to go with this uh, rookie defensive back class. I think it's specifically, it's it's more um, specific to that for me, Nick. It's more about how he does against Mike Williams. He had eight catches for 113 yards and one touchdown, and he did that because all the Chiefs wide receivers are small, and he's giant. And eventually they're going to face other big wide receivers uh, like Jamar Chase. You mean the Chiefs cornerbacks are small? Yes. Yeah. The Chiefs corners are small. The Chargers wide receivers are huge. And specifically, Mike Williams is huge. And he took advantage of that height difference in that last game. Eight catches, 113 yards, and a touchdown. I want to see because my guess is the Chargers are also going to know that. They're going to know that Trent McDuffie is five foot ten in the scorebook. They really scrubbed the tape to find that one. They're like, hey, so we found out that this guy. He's shorter than you. He's really short. <laughs> you are really tall. He's also a rookie. So we were thinking you're tall. He's short. <laughs> throw it at you. So I feel like that's but I mean, sometimes it really is that simple. That's the question we've had about this Chiefs cornerback unit the entire time. They've held up really well all year, Nick. But the question we have not been able to answer yet is when they're all together, can they handle a big wide receiver unit? Because that burnt them last year. The guys that ended up getting them and got them this year. Gabe Davis has gotten them. Gabe Davis got them for a big, long touchdown. Mike Williams has gotten them for 113 yards, as I previously mentioned. Like we saw last year in the playoffs. We saw Jamar Chase go and do that same thing. And Gabe Davis again. Those big wide receivers are the ones that cause them problems. And so I would think that they're going to find out where Mike Williams, or they're going to find out the Chiefs are, if McDuffie can do a better job on Mike Williams than the last guy. So from that perspective, it absolutely is their biggest test. I just believe he's the goods. So in the early going, I think he's been their best cover corner. And I think that he'll continue to be that. But you're right, Nick. We're probably going to come out of this game feeling one of two ways. A whole lot better about him or a whole lot worse. It's hard for me to imagine he's going to let up like four catches for 40 yards, and I'm not going to feel great about it. Because if that's what he does against Mike Williams, I'm going to feel great. But if he comes out of here getting torched or letting up nothing or below that number I just said, then we'll feel pretty good. I'm going to be honest with you. I it, It's tough for me to envision him just getting absolutely abused for four quarters. Same. Maybe he gives up a big play. That's life as a cornerback in the NFL. There are like two shutdown corners in the league right now. One is Sauce Gardner. Right, right. Sauce Gardner, Jalen Ramsey, that's about it. So um, if he gives up a big play, whatever, like you're going to get beat. You're a cornerback. As long as it's not abusive, as long as it's not like, oh, you gave up eight catches for 164 yards and a score. I I think I'll probably live with anything. All right. We're going to move on to our last segment for today. You guys, um, there's been so much talk at running back between Clyde and Pacheco, but are we overlooking McKinnon's contributions? Are they flying under the radar? We saw a 
tweet this week where he had two blocks on one play last weekend. Are we not giving him enough credit? Yeah, he's their most important running back. I wasn't prepared to say that before the year. Most important? <laughs> Whoa. He is. he is. He does more than everyone else. He runs the ball a little. He's not as effective as Pacheco. He's their best pass catcher and he's best pass blocker by a mile. So he's taken over the pass catching duties from Klein. He does all the pass blocking duties over both guys. And the other two guys, he's t- so Clyde was supposed to be the pass catcher. Jarek's taking that away. The runner is still Pacheco, but he's got one job, man. That's his job. He catches zero passes and they don't ask him to be in pass blocking in third down situation. McKinnon has more, has a bigger job, a more important job for this team than him. I'm not saying Pacheco won't get more carries or more snaps in a given game, but McKinnon's their, their more important running back. And he's done a really good job this year. Yeah, it's it's to me less about the production. It's really easy to talk about the production now because he's had two really good games. We know he's how had 12 catches in the last two, right? Yeah, 12 catches for 96 yards. You have the Titans game. We know how that played out. It turned into sort of a check down game and knowing he's going to be in on third downs. He got a lot of catches, six for 40 yards and then six for 56 against Jacksonville. But here's what's interesting about Pacheco taking over as the lead back. Him. He and Clyde don't share a lot of similarities stylistically, right? Pacheco is a north-south runner. He's got that quick burst. He doesn't have as much wiggle. He's not going to make as many guys miss, but he is going to get upfield. He's going to hit those gaps, and he's going to sort of explode for those big plays downfield when he gets the opportunity. Clyde, at least in theory, is supposed to be the one who you can get out in space, and he'll make somebody miss, and he's supposed to be a pass catcher. From a skill set point of view, Clyde actually matches up better with Jarek McKinnon. Like there are more, there, there's more overlap between their skill sets than there are with Clyde and Pacheco. So if Pacheco is to be the lead back, Clyde really is behind the eight ball because you would at least then say, okay, well, Pacheco's not a pass catcher. So maybe there's still a role for Clyde. Well, Jarek's a better pass catcher than Clyde as well. So that's why I do sort of wonder if he's not going to have six receptions every single game. But knowing he's your third down back, he is highly, highly reliable as a pass blocker. There's just going to be a role for him. And now it feels like there's an increased opportunity for him to be more involved in the pass game. So it probably is like guys like him. It's just sort of like offensive linemen. If your number one trade is blocking, you're, you're a little bit farther down the list of guys who are going to credit or talk about on a week-to-week basis. But he was... His role has been invaluable. Uh, His role has been highly, highly valuable and something that neither one of the other backs on this team can really fill. I think that's what's interesting about it. It's like, you know, we probably should have seen it coming because who was the most important running back for the Chiefs in the playoffs last year? Jarek. Yeah. It was. When the time came and he was healthy, man, they went to him more than anyone else. That was it. That was just it. Coming into this season, my skepticism with him wasn't really a skill set thing. It was... Health. Man, this guy missed like three full seasons due to injury. He's never, I think, coming into this season when the Pacheco train was really running wild, I said, man, this guy, he hasn't had more than uh, 80. He hadn't had more than 80 carries in a game since 2017. I'm like, are we really sure this is the guy? And it's we, we've learned that he is the guy, just not in the sense that maybe we thought he was going to be. He's not really doing much running the football, but yet he is still carved out at an incredibly valuable role. Another sign to never pay running backs. Jerick McKinnon's (laughs) of the world are available all the time. Mm -hmm. Isaiah Pacheco was a seventh round pick. Can you imagine like what would happen if McKinnon did get injured? 
Like, what do you do then? Uh, you throw the Clyde a lot more, I guess. And the pass blocking is, I guess, again, the bigger concern there. Yeah. Michael seriously. Burton might get some more playing time. Has Michael what? Burton, has, has his, uh, we haven't talked enough about Michael Burton. Let's do a good 10 minutes here on Michael Burton. <laughs> his snaps went down this year. Do we need to look into that a little bit? Well, he's not as good on those fourth and one, uh, those third and one runs. So, you know, play, play dictates it, Nick. What do you want to do? Also, nobody else in the NFL uses fullbacks. So maybe Andy's finally catching up to that notion Man. all by himself. Uh, he hasn't played more than nine snaps in a game, and that was week one. R.I.P. to Ooh. Michael Burton. It was wow. a good run, man. Good run. A- hey, I will say this. How about this? Here's a good tie-in. Michael Burton, last year, that epic game between the Chiefs and Chargers in L.A., scored a touchdown. So hello, maybe, maybe this is the time for Andy to, to dig back into his bag of tricks, especially knowing uh, might be a little shorthanded with pass catchers. Should we put a little maybe. wager on it? Put some. Uh, he shines again. Put some money in the gambling apps. What do you think an anytime touchdown for Michael Burton's going for right now? Pretty good be, I don't know what the number will be, but I promise you it will be the last name mentioned. That's a guarantee. <laughs> I could probably pull it up that quick. I would bet you. Um, would, I'll bet you five bucks. It's the last name mentioned. I'll bet you it's like the four. last name out of yes, any player for either team. Cody, he plays four snaps a game. He gets one touch max for like one yards to negative one yards. That's the range of outcomes for him. Uh, let's see. Okay, well, here's a fun follow-up question. What's going to be the the most unexpected name to score a touchdown for the Chiefs this weekend? Unexpected. Unexpected. Sky um, Moore. <laughs> Sky Moore. Okay. Uh, you guys know my answer. Do you want me to even say it? or Jody it Fortson? Jody Fortson? <laughs> he had a fumble last week. I think Mahomes is going to say, hey, let's get you right. Oh, right. Uh, as of when we're recording it, the anytime touchdown props aren't out yet. So, all right, we'll check. That's that. unfortunate. Uh, I don't think I'm going to put money on Burton, though. Maybe a little sprinkle. No. A sprinkle. <laughs> a <little> sprinkle. <laughs> Five bucks to win like eight million based on <laughs> the, the number of snaps. <laughs> Let's get wild. <laughs> Speaking of wild guys. What are our predictions for Sunday? And we're going to up the ante here. Also, who is going to be your player to have a game? MVP, well, I, whatever you, know, you want to call I like, it. I like it. Player to have a game similar to that is our post game one, which is game balls or um, sometimes game balls, sometimes team MVP. Doesn't matter. We'll call it whatever winners, we want. Winners, losers. Winners and losers. Um, even I can't remember because we've changed the name <laughs> like three times. Uh, I, I think the Chiefs are going to win. I just think it's close. I, I really meant that. We started the show and I said, every game's close. This one's going to be close too. I think it'll be 30 to 27. So I still think the Chiefs get to the number. I don't think the Chargers defense is playing well enough, but I still think the Chargers can do enough things offensively, especially with Eckler, Keenan Allen, whoever, right? A majority or more guys for their defense or their offense being healthy still makes me think they're putting points on the board. But for the closer... I think finally the Chiefs get a turnover that matters. And I'm going to tell you that Trent McDuffie gets the game winning pick to close it out in the final drive. Chiefs take the lead. Herbert tries to go down for the win. And instead, our guy, Trent McDuffie, gets it and seals the game. I would love a game winning pick. Those are the best. Not even just like the one where he gets to slide down, it just ends it, but he doesn't have to do any other work. Okay. Um, I. <laughs> I, I, Trent McDuffie's a good one and it's topical because we've already brought him up. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to share you guys uh, a little deep dive into the numbers. Again, this was part of my late night uh, research from, from last study sesh. 
Uh, the Chiefs have played four road games, and they have scored at least 40 points in three of them. Good God. These are road dogs, man. They're road warriors. There's something about getting out on the road that brings the best out of this team and you factor in the count that it's a divisional game. So I'm saying another 40, uh, 40 burger for the Chiefs. I'm going to go 41. Wow. Jeez. 41 to 35. 41 to 35 classic okay. shootout between two highly talented. So if I'm going a 40 burger, that means somebody is having a big game. MVS or Kelsey, who's going off for you? <laughs> no, 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 Cody. <laughs> Don't try to get in my head, man. <laughs> I game ball. My, my preemptive game ball is going to go to Isaiah Pacheco. Let's wow. go. Breakout okay. game for Isaiah Pacheco. I think he, I'm going to say, I, I'm going to say he gets 88 yards, two touchdowns for Isaiah Pacheco. Woo. But that, okay. Think about that. Taking some risks today. Um, right, finish us off. Okay, guys. Well, in my research, Nick, since the Herbert Mahomes head to head matchups, no team has scored less than 20 points and no team has scored more than 38 points. Ooh. So, wow. Look at that stat, Nick. Way better than my research. <laughs> I'm going Chiefs 34, Chargers 27. Um, this game was in December last year. And leading up to it, Kelsey had kind of been quiet. And on another show, I go, Kelsey's going to have a huge game. He had 10 receptions, 191 yards, and two touchdowns, one of which was the game winner in overtime. I'm going Kelsey to have a, another huge game against the Chargers. He thrives in prime time. I'm looking for a big game from 87. Let's go. I don't know how we feel about Joe Buck on this podcast. I know a lot of people in Kansas City can't stand him for that World Series stuff, but I'll tell you what. He was on the call for that game, and his call of that game-winning touchdown Very good. was <laughs> awesome. Because so he, good. Here was the entire call. Mahomes, Kelsey, good night. That was the whole call. <laughs> and everybody's just going crazy. Oh, my gosh. I've, I've watched that play probably 10 times since then. I love that call. It gives me goosebumps. Plus, it's funny Kelsey's reaction. Call. What what did he do in the end zone? He was like, oh, yeah. I don't know what, what it is, is that. I don't what know, but it looked cool. And that's all that matters. That's Are you sure it looked on. cool because he did it and not like if you did that, Nick, in the workplace after well, having. Yeah, we do, we don't look cool. No, no think <laughs> Kelsey does looks cool. Do you think I could pull off one of his pregame? Games? Of course not. I was I was at an event with him like a month ago for that cake thing. And he was like, I looked like a garbage person. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and he was in sweats. They were just really nice sweats See, without a single wrinkle in them, without a single piece of lint on them, <laughs> not a crease, not a nothing. They looked so clean. Like they, like he put them on after he got out of the car. Like it doesn't even make sense. You sat, right? Didn't they, wouldn't they get a little jostled somewhere along the way? No, no right. not a single thing, not a single hair out of place. I would love to just, I don't know how often these guys wear fits. Like I would assume a lot of them wear it once and then I don't know, give it away. I don't think I would fit into it. Kelsey's got a few inches on me and a few. Yeah. I just want one of his outfits. So one of his outfits, I want to wear it once and then I'll, I'll donate it to charity. You know, we have a baseball guest on ours as our NFL insider on our show. Let's ask Vinny Pasquantino if one thing he got from Italy, you can wear after he decides he doesn't want it anymore. No, he's a baseball player who just came into money. And this is, we're getting too into the weeds now, but like, he's not going to give me. Kelsey's had money for a while. So I feel like he's my better chance. 
Good choice. Well, Nick, yeah. you've, you've put it out there. It's out there. Let's see if it comes back. You're listening, Kelsey. Can I please have your clothes? <laughs> Just one outfit. They'll be way too big. He's going to need to get yeah. them tailored. Well, guys, this was fun. Thank you all for listening to It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. As always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. That is Cody Tap. He is Nick Schwartz. I'm Kayla Canaram, and we will be back with you all on Monday for live game reaction and more. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. 